Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. Uh, this is podcast number 33 for this year. Dennis, Federal Parliament is back next week. Now, yesterday, Monday, Scott Morrison made uh, an alarming statement. He said, as Prime Minister, it is my job to bring people together on dealing with big issues. Oh, sorry, big change. He was talking about climate change. Now, Scott Morrison has an atrocious record of bringing people together on anything and a negligible record on selling climate change, uh, uh, climate change measures. Now, for eight years, the coalition governments... Uh, have have uh, have flopped around on emission reductions. It's been the the most incendiary issue between the Nationals and the Liberals, and uh, it's left Australia the better part of a decade behind the rest of the world. Can Scott Morrison negotiate a truce with the Nats and come up with a workable and functioning? Um, uh, effort to reach zero emissions by 2050. Well, short answer is yes, he can. Um, you know, and uh, and I think he probably will. Um, you know, he, he, you know, because he, he's starting sort of a long way uh, behind the rest of the world. Um, so you know, he has to. He doesn't have to do anything that's particularly new, or innovative, or brilliant. Um, you know, he, he just has to sort of catch up with the, uh, 130 other countries. Um, and I think he'll be able to convince a majority of the National Party, uh, he'll certainly convince most of the Liberals uh, to go along with what will be a pretty minimalist um, scheme to get to net zero by 2050 uh, and some sort of slightly more ambitious target by, say, 2035. Um, yeah, exactly what it looks like, what the bits and pieces are, who knows? You know, I, I think that they'll probably be vague enough to be uh, sort of all things to as many people as he can possibly get away with. It's going to be expensive, though, isn't it? I mean, the Nats are going to walk in there with the pork barrels uh, uh, ready for uh, implementation. Uh, we, we've already seen... Examples of that, uh, Keith Pitt, uh, the uh, the resources minister, had this brain belch about a two hundred fifty billion dollar underwriting of, of coal uh, mine projects, uh, and, and others have come up with their own um, many million dollar spending in regional areas, a, a form of extortion. But we're going to see a lot of money spent just to placate the Nats, aren't we? Oh, sure, yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, sort of Keith Pitt's idea, which he refuses to let go of, but not even Barnaby Joyce or Matt Canavan have really uh, come in behind him. Uh, Barnaby Joyce certainly hasn't. Uh, and Matt Canavan is sort of, you know, just keeps quiet about it. it, it that, that is one of the crazier ideas. Um, but everybody's in there. I mean, it's not just 
the National Party, uh, you know, the Business Council of Australia are in there, ah. uh, um, the, the Farmers Federation, who said you know, sort of uh, a year or so ago that they were perfectly happy with uh, having a target uh, set at that time, now uh, have decided that they will hop in and, and grab some money too. So, you know, yes, I mean, every, everybody who, who, who wants to try and leverage some benefit out of this will uh, jump in and, and do what uh, Australian uh, businesses and um, vested interests always do, and that is a bit of rent-seeking. Yeah, it's just... I, th- I think it's helpful to remember that uh, the Nationals have just 21 of the 151 House of Representatives seats and just five of the 76 Senate seats. I mean, they are a, a relatively minor party and might be even more minor after the next election if independents and, uh, and parties of the far right um, get their skates on. Uh, but there they are, essentially dictating a national policy uh, without really considering uh, the national benefit. But that, that might just be me. I might just be um, cynical towards them. Uh, now, can we go to Victoria, where the Victorian Independent Broad-Based uh, Anti-Corruption Commission has really been rocking the local Labor Party, much to its embarrassment. Uh, there have been reaches, breaches of party rules such as on branch stacking, which is a really smelly uh, uh, practice and, and not confined to the Labor Party. But there's also been talk of, uh, of, of phantom staff, MPs hiring people, uh, paying them a wage, but they, they don't have to turn up for work. I mean, that, that's a serious and, and a very grubby misuse of taxpayer money, if it's true. Now, two matters. Will the spectacle of Labor writhing on the skewers of a, a, an anti-corruption commission change the Liberal Party's antipathy towards such bodies? And secondly, how damaged uh, Anthony Albanese's prospects in Victoria from these revelations? Well, I, I don't think it's going to change the uh, attitude of um, uh, Scott Morrison um, or his Liberal colleagues uh, about anti-corruption bodies, they they really liked the model that Christian Porter, the now uh, backbench member for Pierce from Western Australia, former Attorney General, he came up with, which essentially said that if if there's a, a official corruption alleged against uh, people like um, uh, you know um, policemen or, or you know. Uh, and senior public servants and so on, um, then we'll have full-blown inquiries. If, if it's alleged against staff or politicians, then we'll have it all very hush-hush and you won't hear anything about it unless someone's found guilty. Um, yeah. They like that, and, and this is not going to really change their mind. They, they will enjoy uh, Labor having to squirm uh, as uh, these matters are rehashed. I mean, so far we've had, you know, sort of, uh, you know, just a, a couple of days uh, of this inquiry, and so far they've just gone over things that we already knew from when um, uh, the former minister Adam Simiak, uh was exposed as a um, uh, branch stacker extraordinaire and drummed out of the uh, Dan Andrews ministry earlier this uh, early last year, I should say. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't think you know, 
that's going to have minimal impact in terms of what might happen, if anything. Uh, and I'm in the not much at all camp uh, in terms of what I think the federal government's going to do about corruption. Um, however, I think that there will be a lot of pressure on uh, Anthony Albanese. Um, he, he looked pretty uncomfortable when he finally fronted the media about this uh, this week. Um, uh, and, uh, of course, his position where he says that, you know, we've got to wait for a process to come and, you know, this all has to, has to follow a proper process. It, well, it's not really helped by the fact that uh, he ran out and called for um, a Liberal federal MP, Michael Sucker, who was involved in allegations about branch stacking within the... That's right, with Kevin Andrews. ...the Liberal Party. Uh, yeah. He, he, he demanded that uh, Michael Sucker be uh, sacked to the side and uh, thrown to the wolves. So, you know, these things are, are always a great way to attack your opponents. Um, uh, and uh, I think that uh, there will be some heat and some blowback on Anthony Albanese, but I think the person who's probably going to suffer is uh, Anthony Byrne, the uh, former... Uh, um, co-conspirator, if you like, uh, with uh, Adam Simiak, um, uh and the federal member for Holt. I think Labor might be uh, going to the election whenever it's held with a new candidate in the seat of Holt. Yeah, he's had it for 22 years, but looks to be in a bit of trouble. Um, it's interesting that this Victorian process uh, does have public hearings. They were on TV for a while uh, today. I don't think that will inspire the uh, federal government to to proceed anywhere near that sort of uh, an inquiry. But I, I just wonder what punters think. I mean, they hear so much about um, politicians fiddling the books, whether it's pork barrelling or you know, brand stacking, if we've as we've got here, and other 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 um, uh, sort of questionable practices. Won't they want something a bit tougher? To, won't they think it's just politicians looking after politicians if the federal government does proceed with this uh, rather limp and flaccid um, wet lettuce attempt to, uh, to investigate, uh, not, not, you know, not necessarily outright corruption, but uh, you know, it, it breaches of integrity standards? Well, you know, you think that that should happen, but it, it never, it almost never does. I mean, yeah, uh, I think, um, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, there, there used to be examples uh, in New South Wales and spectacularly in Queensland with the Fitzgerald Inquiry, where uh, exposés of official misconduct and corruption had direct electoral impacts. Now, since then, over time, the cynicism in the community uh, has grown to such an extent that people just shrug their shoulders. I mean, you know, the, the Victorian Labor government, Dan Andrews, before the last state election, uh, there were allegations of, you know, running uh, of ministerial and electric staff sort of running around doing all sorts of party work all over the place. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it was, um, I mean, all the facts were there and they were rolled out mm. throughout the campaign. Dan Andrews increased his majority. Um, the, the initial allegations that have now come back in Victoria came out last year, had no impact on the standing of Dan Andrews or his government. Um, what we saw with Gladys Berejiklian has had 
no impact on the standing of her uh, or the government she led or the one that she's left. Uh, and the allegations of, of um, rotting that we've seen in New South Wales and nationally seem to so far have had no impact. So I just think that the, uh, the electorate is, they hate this and they wish it wasn't there, but they, they just think it's politicians being politicians, which is a, a very, very sad uh, commentary on uh, just the low, both the um, low expectations that the public have and the low standards that the politicians set. Yeah, it's a, it's a numbness to, uh, to hanky-panky uh, of various sorts, which is, as you say, very sad. Now, just quickly... Tony Abbott seems to be former prime minister for for hire, and he's you know a, a a servant of the Johnson government in the UK, and then he trotted over to Taiwan to uh, thump the table against uh, China, mainland China over there. I remember distinctly a piece by one of the ranters in the Australian, telling Kevin Rudd and uh, Malcolm Turnbull uh, to shut up because there was nothing worse than. Uh, than uh, former prime ministers who didn't know their place and didn't keep quiet. There haven't been a similar um, uh, explosion of anger against Tony Abbott in that publication. In fact, it's been running some of his columns. Uh, is many, Tony many, Abbott up many, to many. anything? Well, uh, well, I'm not sure what he's up to. Maybe, maybe he's just sort of you know, hanging out his shingle, as they say, in... Um, in politics. Uh, he went to India in the middle of all that, I thought, too. I'm not sure I might have got that mistake. No, no, I think um, you're right, yes. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, the, the funniest thing that I, I thought... Um, uh, so he went off to uh, Taipei in Taiwan and, uh, you know, rattled the anti-China drum pretty loudly, which uh, I think um, um, you know, won't do Scott Morrison's electoral... Uh, chances any harm because uh, Scott Morrison uh, believes, and I think he's right, that uh, you know stirring up anti-China anti-China sentiment um, uh, is is something the public respond to. Um, but he, he said over there, uh, you know, that um, uh, that China was the greatest threat going, and uh, and that a, um, a real shooting war with China is not out of the question. Now, the, the interesting response that I found was um, from the foreign ministry in Beijing, which uh, said that Tony Abbott was behaving like the Mike Pompeo of Australia. Um, and uh, this, this, this always makes me chuckle because in a um, New Yorker um, uh, Profile of Mike Pompeo. No, no, sorry. Uh, and a, a profile of Mike Pompeo in the Atlantic. I'm getting my magazines right. Uh, the writer uh, quoted someone who knew Pompeo, the former Trump Secretary of State, uh, as being like an exocet for Donald Trump's ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we get the picture there. I, sorry, I, I just had to recycle that line. No, no, of course, of course. Look, I, I, I'm curious as to what Tony Abbott might think of Scott Morrison as a prime minister. I, I don't, I'm not sure he'd be terribly impressed because uh, Tony Abbott uh, had all sorts of issues that he, he came into the job with and prosecuted, uh, often unsuccessfully, but at least he had, uh, uh, he had things he stood for. I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure he sees the same 
uh, uh, eagerness uh, for principles uh, that in in Scott Morrison, um, which mm-hmm. doesn't mean he wants to uh, criticise or attack Mr Morrison, but I'm not sure he's a full and complete fan of the current Prime Minister. Um, now, Dennis, uh, have you uh, dived into the mailbag to see if there's anything there? Yeah, yeah, we've got a, a couple of uh, pieces of mail. Um, we got one from um, uh, Liz uh, from Belrose, which is a suburb in Sydney's northeast, uh, and uh, she was talking about Toby. Um, we can all remember uh, Toby, um, uh, Cheryl Kernow's grandson, um, and she uh, uh, wonders whether we'll ever find out the identities uh, of um, the recipients of $13 billion in overpaid and underfunded JobKeeper payments. Um, and she thinks that they, uh, we might find out uh, who they are because uh, they might turn up as some big donors uh, in the electoral campaign declarations after the election. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think of that? <laughs> well, well, first of all, it, it's more than... Um... Uh, it's more than 13 billion. The, the, the Treasury analysis has put it close to 27. There was something like 15.6 yeah. last year and about uh, 11 and a half uh, uh, this year. Uh, and and that, that's 27 billion went to companies who either increased their turnover or their turnover didn't drop, which is, um, <laughs> which is sort of charity uh, of a dimension we rarely see uh, to business. But, um, yeah, it might be interesting. I think that will draw attention to the declaration of, uh, of the sponsorship of political parties, particularly the government parties, and there will be perhaps even more avid attention to some of those companies, many of which are well known uh, to have taken the money without actually uh, having the, uh, the, the financial downturn to justify it. Uh, and... Uh, Maybe Liz can do a bit of her own work and let us know what she thinks once those uh, once those um, those funding uh, figures uh, come out. Dennis, uh, one for you that I see here, and it's from Peter in Melbourne, and he wonders, uh, looking back, uh, uh, looking back on, well, looking at the next election, um, will it be thought uh, to be the independence election? Uh, as whatever major party wins will probably have to deal with a uh, a very large cross bench. Do you think that's likely? Yeah. So so look, we, we, there, there there are a number of potential uh, independents. Um, some have been funded by business people like Simon Holmes of Court, who wants action on climate change. Uh, others. Uh, are being pushed by some local community action groups uh, who are also concerned about climate and um, and integrity in government. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, you know you're going to see seats where there is a, a, a chance for, of people being elected in Victoria, one or two New South Wales, one or two a couple here in Queensland, and possibly one in South Australia. So you know if even if half of those got elected and, and added to the number of independents um, that are already there, you, you would have seven or eight uh, independents and plus, uh, plus at least one green 
so, you know, yes, uh, you would need whichever party uh, wanted to form government, I think you would, they would need the support of them. Uh, so, um, yes, Peter, it may well be the independent selection, um, but we have said that before. Uh, uh, yeah, I... I... Yes, I don't think it'll be entirely comfortable for for whomever wins. Now, Parliament back next week, as I said, and I think it's going to be very interesting to watch the a fortnight of sitting. The second week, we'll see estimates, and that will be a uh, free-for-all, I would imagine. And we'll let you know what we think of all that. In the meantime, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from here in Queensland. <laughs>